Welcome everyone to the Reformed Confessional Podcast. My name is John Fry, and as always, Reformed Confessional exists to promote Reformed Confessionalism, to proclaim the sufficiency of Scripture, and to extol the supremacy of Christ over all things, and all things indeed we praise and worship Him for. Welcome to the May 2023 edition of the podcast. I'm very blessed to be here with you on a day where we will talk about getting to know our great God. But before we do that, some front matter. First and foremost, this past week we released kind of an impromptu prayer request within our podcast and blogcast episodes. So thank you so much for those of you who heard that and prayed for the island of Guam. Just a quick update from the friends that we have there and what we've heard. Still several people without power and some people, for them it's a very humid place and oftentimes we would experience upper 80s on you know even at nighttime so they've been in the 80s pretty much around the clock well that means no power no air conditioning and so there has been a lot of humidity and precipitation within households and mold development so that's one of the tangible struggles that's happening right now to some folks who we know on the island of guam and then others are without water so they're utilizing the rainwater to drink there and so we would ask that you especially those of the household of faith who we have been there with and we know that are struggling, we pray for God to be glorified, for God to supply for them, to strengthen them, to lift them up. And I ask that you would join in those prayers as we continue to pray for the island of Guam as they recover from Typhoon Mawar. Additionally, what we have going on at our website at reformconfess.com as we look to turn the page and open up into summer months. Hallelujah for God's blessing of warmer weather. We are thankful for that. We will finish the Doxology Doctrine series that Brother Rob Smith and myself teamed up. Brother Rob wrote kind of what I view as a prequel. He took the historical context and a little bit about the authorship of Old 100th, the Doxology. That is four lines. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And then I took those four lines and wrote an article for each one of them. And coming up in June, we will have the fourth and final article. Very Trinitarian heavy there, so we're excited for that. And then one more of personal delight, kind of a long-term project for me. Back in 2021, we released part one of an exegetical study on 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, titled God is Faithful. And then in 2022, we released part two, and it looks like, Lord willing, Here in June, we will release part three, the third and final installment of God is Faithful in Exegetical Study here at Reformed and Confessional. Woo! And with that, one final thing. If you did not know it, we have a mailing list. And what we've been doing once a month is just sending out an email, hopefully with some prayers of encouragement, showing you a few of the articles that we have coming out that month or had just been released, as well as just a highlighted item from our shop. So if you are interested in that, go to our website at reformconfess.com and just sign up. We don't spam you too much, just once a month. And again, like I said, we try to be very purposeful, very intentional, and very edifying when we send that. Speaking of edifying, let's get into today's material. I'm very excited. Today's episode is titled Getting to Know Our Great God. And that's what I want to do with the next several episodes is get to know our great God. And this episode, really, I look back and I think it's kind of something that's been brewing in my heart for a while. It starts back with my pastor in Guam, uh, Brother Ed Poppy, and he gifted me the book about the attributes of God by Arthur W. Pink. And reading through that book really developed in my heart a desire to get to really hone in on the attributes of God. And then Brother Nick Myers, months later and years later, writing for Place for Truth, and I think it's .org, but Place for Truth, I think .org, 
he wrote on the communicable and incommunicable attributes of God. And I can't remember which one exactly, but I remember reading articles from him and it just stirred a delight in me and a challenge for a doctrine that I really think I took for granted. And so the vastness of God, the incomprehensible God, is something that I think raised in church, I probably just took a little more for granted than I ought to. Parlay all of that personal history into recently opening up Calvin's Institutes to Book 1, Chapter 1, Section 1. And here we see Calvin talk about the knowledge of God. And so that's where I wanted to just start. We will take a journey into the Institutes of the Christian Religion with Calvin. I'll read this paragraph to you with a little bit of commentary. And then I want to look at Augustine and see how at the beginning of Confessions, he had the knowledge of God on his mind. And so maybe there's a little bit of parallel with the two of these men. So here we go, though, with John Calvin. In Calvin's Institutes, chapter 1 is titled, The Knowledge of God and of Ourselves Mutually Connected, Nature of the Connection. Section 1, which is what I'm about to read, is titled, The Sum of True Wisdom, i.e., The Knowledge of God and of Ourselves, Effects of the latter. What I want to get at before I read, remember, getting to know our great God. And this is to spur your motivation. Why would you want to get to know your great God? Here is what Brother John Calvin says. He writes, quote, Our wisdom, insofar as it ought to be deemed true and solid wisdom, consists almost entirely of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. But as these are connected together by many ties, It is not easy to determine which of the two proceeds and gives birth to the other. For, in the first place, no man can survey himself without forthwith turning his thoughts toward the God in whom he lives and moves, because it is perfectly obvious that the endowments which we possess cannot possibly be made from ourselves. No, that our very being is nothing else than subsistence in God alone. In the second place, those blessings which unceasingly distill to us from heaven are like streams conducting us to the fountain. Here again, the infinitude of good which resides in God becomes more apparent from our poverty. In particular, the miserable ruin into which the revolt of the first man has plunged us compels us to turn our eyes upward, not only that while hungry and famishing we may thence ask what we want, but being aroused by fear may learn humility. For as there exists in man something like a world of misery, And ever since we were stripped of the divine attire, our naked shame discloses an immense series of disgraceful properties. Every man, being stung by the consciousness of his own unhappiness, in this way, necessarily obtains at least some knowledge of God. Thus, our feeling of ignorance, vanity, want, weakness, in short, depravity and corruption, reminds us that in the Lord, and none but He, dwell the true light of wisdom, solid virtue, exuberant goodness. We are accordingly urged by our own evil things to consider the good things of God. And indeed, we cannot aspire to Him to earnest until we have begun to be displeased with ourselves. For what man is not disposed to rest in himself? Who, in fact, does not thus rest so long as he is unknown to himself? That is, so long as he is contented with his own endowments and unconscious or unmindful of his misery. Every person, therefore, on coming to the knowledge of himself, is not only urged to seek God, but is also led, as by the hand, to find him. So thank you for bearing with me in that. And what I'm really trying to get at is Calvin opens up his entire institutes, which he says 
are supposed to be read before his commentaries because he's more exhaustive here. He opens the entire thing up with the connection and the relationship between the knowledge of God and the knowledge of self. Basically, what Calvin is telling us here is when we start with self, the endowments, the things I think of Psalm 139, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, the fearful and wonderful things about ourselves, we certainly have to recognize they're not from ourselves. And in that way, we look to God. And then once we look to God, we begin to develop in our knowledge of God and we see how other he is. We see his characteristics. We see his holiness. We see his sovereignty. We see his power, his incomprehensibility. We see the distinctness of God apart from man. And that shows us what Calvin says, our poverty. Once we realize that and we contrast ourselves to God, it throws us back at ourselves in our need for a savior. And so that's one reason why I would suggest that we ought to get to know God because it exposes continually our need for him and the fact that he gives himself in the form of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit unto us and all of his blessed provisions. That invokes worship. First, we see the need for him, but then we realize he provides the need. So that's why we want to take time to get to know our good God. So that is just from Calvin, book one, chapter one, section one of the Institutes of the Christian Religion. So now I'm going to fumble through my books here, and I'm going to open Confessions by Augustine. And what I just want to show is he opens up the Confessions with the knowledge of God on his mind as well. So similar note to Calvin, and you can see in Calvin's writings, he references Augustine from time to time. So maybe this had an influence on him, maybe not. This is the third paragraph. So the third paragraph of book one, Augustine's Confessions, and we're talking about the knowledge of God, getting to know our great God. Here's what he says. Grant me, Master to know and understand whether a person ought first to call on you or to praise you, and which of the following is first, to know you or to call on you. But who invokes you without knowing you? In his ignorance, he might call on the wrong thing. Or instead, are you invoked in order to be known? But how will people invoke a being in whom they don't believe already? And how will they believe without a preacher? Praise God, that makes me want to preach that last line here, but he asks some things that are very wise, and I think those of us who understand, at least in part, what took place at the Reformation and the spirit and the heart behind it, this is a great point, because when we look around the church today, we see a lot of people calling upon a God of their own crafting. And he asks, Grant me, Master, to know and understand whether a person ought first to call on you or to praise you, And which of the following is first, to know you or to call on you? So that is the question. Ought we to know God, name of this episode, getting to know our great God, or to call upon him? And here's what he says. But who invokes you without knowing you? How can you call upon someone unless you first know them? He says this, in his ignorance, he might call on the wrong thing. And that's what... I don't want to ever do in my life. I don't want you to do that. And that's what I don't want the church to do, is I don't want us calling upon a God, the golden calf of Exodus chapter 32. I don't want us to call upon a God of our own imagining, the prosperity gospel, the higher vision gospel, the God of our own crafting. That would be, according to Augustine, in ignorance. We would be called upon someone who isn't real, who we don't really know. And that's why we want to get to know God, that we 
know him, that we would better worship him, and that we know him so that we know whom we are calling upon. Again, he says, or instead, are you invoked in order to be known, or do we call upon him so that we can know him? So we must know him that we could call upon him, but we must call upon him so that we can know him. And then he says, but how will people invoke a being in whom they don't believe already? And so what great questions here, and I see it being a little bit of both. On one hand, you have to know something about God to call upon him, but you also must call upon him that he would reveal himself unto you. And so we have the word of God. We have the illumination of the Holy Spirit. We have the blessed gift of teaching and preaching. We have the unity of the saints, and we help one another through things like this, through our website, through articles, through podcasts, through attending church to hear our preachers and sit under our elders and to just learn from one another. We have great authors and books and teachings and writings that we could encourage one another. But at the end of the day, all of that knowledge, if we are going to know God, it is going to be through his revealing of himself through his word unto us. And so certainly he employs the body that we would have better understanding of that word. That's a very interesting question. That's a little bit of how Augustine is. Do we have to know him so we can call on him or do we call on him so we can know him? And I would say both. We certainly would know at least of this God. And then we reach out to him that in doing so, he would reveal himself to us and we get to know him even better. And so I just think that's really fascinating that we see the the institutes of the Christian religion and we see confessions both open up with the knowledge of God. Calvin, on one hand, saying, when you look at self, you are thrown unto God. And then the more you get to know God, the more you're thrown back at how unhappy you are with self in comparison to this great God and how his riches exposes our poverty. And then you learn even more about him because He is the one who reconciles you to himself. On the other hand, Augustine asking this question, do you you call upon God to know him or know him to call upon him? Knowing God is the theme that I see in both of these men's minds and their hearts are opening up incredible literary works of our faith, keying in on the knowledge of God. So I think it'd be a great thing for us to spend some of our time together on this quest of knowledge of our God, who to some degree has revealed himself to us. What I want to do to guide us over the next several episodes is look at the Westminster Larger Catechism. Shout out to the Westminster Larger. We're going to look at question seven, and it is a very simple, very short question saying, what is God? What is God? Now, I'll tell you what the catechism that our kids listen to, and it says, what is God? God is a spirit and does not have a body like man. Quick side note, my son one time, right before bed, I think he was four years old, he looked at me and said, Dada, yes, son. He said, God is spirit, right? Yes, sir. He said, well, if God is spirit and he doesn't have a body, how does he hold the whole world in his hands? So we talked about anthropomorphisms. I certainly didn't use that word at that time, but nonetheless, I really appreciated the young man's question, and it came from meditating on the answer to what we see here in the Westminster Larger Catechism. So it says, question seven, what is God? Answer is, God is a spirit in and of himself infinite in being, glory, blessedness, and perfection, all-sufficient, eternal, unchangeable, incomprehensible, everywhere present, almighty, knowing all things, most wise, most holy, most just, most merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. 
Those answers is what I'd like to spend our time over the next several episodes diving into and seeing the scriptural basis for them and also the application for such doctrine. How does it influence our worship? How does it influence our thinking? How does it influence our sanctification? How does it influence our actions in day-to-day as we seek to glorify this God that is certainly worth knowing? And to encourage you in our quest to get to know our great God, I want to share with you the very next paragraph in Augustine's Confessions. After he poses these questions about knowing God or calling upon Him, he says, quote, But those who search for God will praise Him, since by seeking Him, they will find Him. And by finding Him, they will praise Him. So I think that there is certainly biblical credibility to that statement that when we seek Him, we will find Him. And when we find Him, we will praise him. So this is a little bit of a primer, a little bit to whet your appetite. I've been releasing the podcast episodes at the end of the month. I'm going to do my very best, depending on life and other responsibilities, to maybe get this next episode out earlier in the month. So we'll be back next month, and we will start to walk through the answer to question seven, what is God? And we will get to know our great God, that we may worship him and praise him rightly. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here with you again. If you have any questions, reach out to us through our website at reformconfess.com. 